Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. sound that singer songwriter david crosby on his amazing new album for free singing about an artificial intelligence secretly coming to life in a lab and dancing i'm steve silverman welcoming you to the second half of our discussion of for free on freak flag flying an osiris media podcast series focusing on the legacy of a man who has been changing the sound of popular music since his days in the Birds and Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Now we rejoin David at Hyde Street Studios in San Francisco, formerly Wally Hyder's, the legendary recording studio where CSNY, The Grateful Dead, and Jefferson Airplane recorded some of their best and most exploratory work as the 60s turned into the 70s. Later on, we'll be joined remotely by David's son, James Raymond, who was his chief collaborator on For Free, for his views on how it all went down. There's a song on For Free that I've wanted to appear on one of your albums for several years now, because it's you wrote it a while ago, Shot At Me. Yeah. It's a it's a great song. Uh, like I remember for a while you were kind of like maybe it's not so good. It's great uh, and it's a very unusual. Song. It took me a while to get it fleshed out. I was having coffee in my favorite place when this haunted guy with a haunted face said he just got back from the, the Middle East. So I've written a couple of songs about the sandbox, about, you know, Iraq and Iran and, mm-hmm. and Afghanistan and mm-hmm. us being in the Middle East. About war, really. Uh, curved air is another. Uh, 
you know, I write about what affects me, and, it, and war affects me. I don't mm-hmm. like it at all. But you needed to personalize it. Mm-hmm. So you put it in the persona of this guy who's, who, you know, nobody shot at me today. Haven't you run into one of those guys? Yes. I have, yes. And they're, you can see it on them. You can see yeah. the scar on them. Yeah. It's plain as day, man. It, yeah. it may not be in the real world, but it, there's a yeah. flag over their head that says, yeah. I am wounded. Right. And they saw their buddy, their best friend's head disappear in a smear of right. brain in the air. Yeah. They they shot somebody, and he told you the story about the guy that I saw. So I'm I see this guy in a bar in an airport, and he's he's sinking him. He's he this is a very disturbed guy. So yeah. I said, "Oops, that's a bomb waiting to go off." I just leave that alone. He says, "Aren't you?" Uh, <laughs> and I said, yeah. "Yeah." And he says, "I just got back from bed," and he starts talking about it. He says, "You won't believe what happened to me." He says, I, I, "We were out." And he describes the situation. They'd gone out on a patrol, and they start taking fire from a little vill off to the side. And so they do the thing, the, they pull off, you know, and start returning fire. And it turns into there's more of them there, and there's some come back, and it's like turning into a real firefight. Mm-hmm. So they call in some air and smash the place flat. Mm-hmm. In the course of it, he says, I got off this one shot. I was really proud of it. And you got to see an assault rifle. 50 feet, you know, mm. <laughs> they're not really accurate. Mm. I got a guy at like 150 yards, mm. nailed him. I was really, it was a good shot, probably the best shot I ever made. So I went to check, and it was a 12-year-old boy. Mm. A 12-year-old boy. Mm. He kept saying it. And it was obvious that the, he looked at the kid's ID, and, and it had destroyed him in that moment. He was never going to be a whole human being again. Mm-hmm. That was just something he couldn't live with. Mm-hmm. Kept, you know, I don't know if he's seen his own child's face on that kid or what, you know, mm-hmm. but he couldn't handle it plainly. Mm-hmm. And he was drinking himself to death right there in front of me. Well, it makes an impression. I love human beings, man. I don't like it when they're in pain. And I understood his pain, and I understood why it had happened. And I know he volunteered, and he was a brave guy, and he thought he was doing the right thing, and fighting for his country, and blah, blah, blah. I buy all that. But nobody should have to be where that guy was. Yeah. That's too dark at night. Yeah. And uh, and, uh, I couldn't get it out of my head. That's where that song came from. One of the last songs added to the album was the title track for free, mm. which you've done several times. Three now, I've but, recorded yeah. it three times. <laughs> but never better than this, I gotta say. Oh, so man. I mean, even the even the reunited birds version is not does not. It's good, but yeah, Sarah it's good. is magic, man. Yeah. So how did you how did you run into Sarah Jarose? I did not know about Sarah Jarose until two things happened. One was a group called I'm with Her, which is Sarah Jarose, Sarah Watkins. Uh, and uh, Ifo O'Donovan, one of the best groups in the world. They do better vocal harmony than almost anybody on earth. You set me free.
are powerful players, and it's a powerful group. Sarah caught my ear in there very strongly, and then she's friends with Chris Teeley, so she was on that show that he was doing, which is now no longer there. For the time that Chris ran it, was one of the best music shows ever in history. It was a fantastic show. Live from here, previously called the Prairie Home Companion. And she was on it repeatedly. People started noticing her when they realized that she could frail on the banjo better than anybody. Mm -hmm. She can play banjo better than anybody. It's a technique where you're strumming, but you're picking yeah. notes, and you get the, the impact of the note over here with your yeah. other hand, the hammer on. She has a way of not making it clanky. It's musical. It's bell-like when she does it. Her touch is that good. Couldn't resist that. And then she plays uh, a thing called an octave mandolin. It's a, a mm. mandolin strung, but an octave down. Eight strings, four pairs on a guitar body. She plays that masterfully. It's like a big mandolin, and she just kicks ass on it. Uh, and she plays guitar as well as she does either one of those. And she sings, like God on a good day. She's just a brilliant singer. Uh, and she has no artifice. There's no showbiz there at all, none. She can't, doesn't know how. Build me up from bone. Wrap me up in skin Hold me close Enough to breathe me in The moon's a fingernail Watch it. Yeah. Mandolin. Watch yeah, it. I will. It will freak you out. And then watch the second one where she does this thing she wrote two and a half years ago called Blue Hair and Sweet. It was that good. Yeah. That's awesome. I think it's the lack of artifice, the lack of Hollywood, the lack of any device at all. She trusts the music. She treasures every note. And she can have as much fun singing the simplest banjo, country, bluegrass, little pick of thing as she can on doing the Blue Heron Suite, which is long and complex. Um, I counted something in 11. The whole piece was in 11. Oh, wow. And it swung like a big dog. And they didn't even make you notice, but it wow. was in the 11. Oh, that's cool. Uh, it's very unusual, man. And she yeah. did it without you noticing. Yeah. Just the phrase jumps home one. Yeah. What, what, what yeah, just yeah. happened to me? That's great. It's beautiful, man. She does beautiful work. So I, I couldn't resist telling her. I did. Yeah. I told her when I saw her. Uh, I sang with him at some show we were on together. And yeah. I, you know, I, I, I went to her show at the Libero in, in mm. Santa Barbara, and mm. Jan and I went backstage after, and we just like her. We can't help yeah. it. She's very unforced and very natural, and she's a goddamn genius of a songwriter, man. Yeah. The songs on this record? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to Orange and Blue. Listen to Johnny. Listen to Your Blue Ford Escape. Drive across the desert Up to its name. She's absolutely brilliant. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
What keeps attracting you to sing for free? I love what it says. Mm-hmm. I love what it says. There was a thing, and Joni saw it and celebrated it in a person that's not trying to do it to be a star and make money. They're trying to do it to get a smile out of you. And not, there's something about that that just rings her bell and it rings my bell and, and always has. Me using it as the title for the record is irony in a little way and, and a dig at the industry in another way and and me applauding her in a third way. Yeah, Joni Mitchell's For Free. We performed it many times uh, with CPR and the Crosby Band, and it's it's one of Joni's songs that David, he was connected to it uh, strongly as a performer. This is James Raymond, who joined our conversation remotely from his home studio in Altadena, California. It was David's idea to do a very stripped-down version, just him and a female vocalist and piano, uh, I think mainly because it, he had mostly performed it kind of as a country waltz on guitar or with a, you know, with a really stripped-down rhythm section. And, uh, and he said, I want you to listen to Joni's version uh, where she played it on piano and do your version of that. And so I kind of locked myself away with Joni's uh, version on piano and try to get the essence of, of what she was doing and, and match it to the way that Cross had been performing it, you know, as a country waltz. And, uh, and I, always, I think I always thought, oh, this is going to be fleshed out. There will be piano, maybe bass, maybe some strings, who knows. Um, but Cross heard the piano and part that I laid down and said, you know, don't touch it. That's the record. <laughs> um, and I'm going to ask Sarah Jarosz to sing harmony on it, which was a huge thrill for me because I'm just such a huge fan of hers. Uh, and, you know, he was right. I mean, it just, um, I think the sparseness of it really allows him to tell the story. And, uh, and boy, Sarah just is like, um, one of the Blue Angels uh, fighter fighter pilots just swooping right around David's vocal the whole time. I mean, it's so tight and so great. Um, so yeah, that was uh, and you know, I we didn't have anything like that for the record. Um, just very sparse and um, and kind of cinematic in a way. So that that was uh, a thrill to hear how that came together and. You know, I'm proud of the fact that it's it's just piano and voice. I, I, I really like that. I slept last night in a good hotel. I went shopping today for June. The wind rushed around this dirty town. The children let out from their school I was standing on a noisy corner Waiting for the walking green Across the street he stood 
and he played real good on his clarinet for free. Piss at the industry because they're not paying us for our work. It's right. wrong that they're not paying us for our work. And you recently had to sell the rights to your songbook so that Jan and Django can be secure. And uh, yeah, yeah, and it, it works. And I'm really glad that it's there. Yeah, uh, it's the only thing I had. Uh, so I'm really glad that we did it. Uh, it's you know we paid off the house. Yeah, you want to have fun? Pay off your house and look at your significant other's face when you tell yeah, them. I'm that you sure. Just did. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to pay off any Yes, house. you are. I'm, I'm a freaking trailing edge baby boomer <laughs> freelance writer. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's beautiful. Um, there's another, well, all the songs on For Free are great, actually, but there's a great song called I Think or I Think I. I Think I, I yeah. Think I. And that was co-written with Steve Postel, is it? No, Steve. No. Steve just added in one change, and James oh, added in one change. That one's almost. That's like ninety-six percent me. It's a great song. Yeah, like it's happy. Um, yeah, yeah. Normally, I write these long, tortured ballads, you know. Uh, so to write, you know, something that's up and fun and happy—that's really good. It is up and fun and happy, but it's also, uh, it's also you trying to figure out life, 
which has been a theme in your music. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> yes. Can't and, imagine yeah. why. Page 43. Goodness you gracious. Know, you suppose your... he's trying to figure out what's going on? <laughs> right, exactly. Oh. No, you're always looking for that instruction book that's not there. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's a natural yeah. thing, man. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm smart enough to be curious, and I'm dumb enough to not know the answer. Yeah. And so I'm out here, like you and all the other intelligent people I know, trying to figure stuff out. There's no instruction. Secret way past the trap. It's so confusing. I keep losing my way. I think I, I think I, I think I found my way. Found my way. Uh-huh. I think I, I think I, I think I found my way. Found my way. written that song a number of times yeah you're right i have i write what comes up in my head and that comes up i want to know why things are the way they are don't you yes i know you do yeah i do let me ask you an off the wall question uh and this is not a this is not a question about your drug use past or anything like let's avoid that subject for this question what would you have liked to do if you had not become a singer songwriter history teacher History teacher, no mm-hmm. question. I've thought about it a lot. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to say, you know, astronaut. Mm-hmm. I don't think I got the guts. You don't know what those guys are facing, man. It, right. it, I, could, I don't think I could handle it. I don't yeah. think I'm that brave. They're monumentally brave. Uh, but history teacher, I could land on pretty good. Last hundred years. Not ancient history. I, I don't know it well enough. Last hundred years, I kind of understand the flow of things, which is how I would teach it. The mistake that people make in teaching history is saying, is segmenting it. The rule of King Dupus the, the Ninth, you know, and the Pelopidubian Gwende Mahimisna Wars. Yeah. You know, and they, yeah. they try to treat it like artifacts, and it yeah. isn't. It's a flow. This caused this to happen. This mm-hmm. guy invented this process, which made this possible, which let these people move there, mm-hmm. which caused this. It's always a flow of cause and effect. And if you can't, if you treat, if you teach it as a flow... It connects, and it's not trying to remember the blue one is next to the purple one is next to the, oh, God. Yeah. It's not like that. It's so-and-so invented the which made this happen, which let them move there, which caused this. And then they built the dam. You know, it's like it makes sense that way, and if they taught it that way, it would make sense to the kids and go over a thousand times easier and better, and they'd remember it. And I would love to do that. I, I think that'd be great. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, one of the songs on the album that that uh, really grew on me, I have to say, I, I went from thinking, oh, it's okay, to like it blowing my mind is The Other Side of Midnight. It's good, and isn't it? That's a great song. James, he's just flexing his muscles. That was him just writing that because he could. He doesn't even have a driving purpose behind it. You know, it was just yeah. like... That's a nice change. The Other Side of Midnight. Um, that's a funny one. I had, uh, you know, I had those lyrics uh, 
for the other side of midnight around for a couple of years, I would say. Um, and, you know, I told Cross about it and, and I had, I had taken a previous stab musically at it, um, had the chorus, but I, I didn't have the verse really together the way that I wanted it or, or David wanted it. So I kept working at it and, um, you know, found found a place to go musically. And then my daughter Gracie is singing the harmonies on there and their blend uh, on that song created kind of a third singer, <laughs> strangely, like another shimmer, some kind of fam- familial uh, other part or something. Um, but the lyrics, and this is kind of funny because uh, David does not want to hear what, what I initially wrote it about it. It's kind of a, a strange song about being bit by a vampire <laughs> in a weird way. Um, and if you if you read the lyrics, you know, um, let's see. Uh, I had a dream the other day that all the stars showed up in a different place. That's all very innocent and cool. And um, but the, then it turns to where she says, "She took my hand as the heavens spun and said nothing." nothing starts until the work is done. Um, so that's basically, he's about to be bitten by a vampire. <laughs> and, uh, I told David this and he's like, he's like, no, uh, you know, that's, that's not right. That's not what it's about. And I said, well, that's kind of where I was coming from. He's like, I, he just didn't want to hear it. He just shut it down completely. Um, and we've never spoken of it since <laughs> he, he just, <laughs> he just sang it. Uh, he's got his own story to it. Um, and, you know, I, I like to give him shit about that. I'm like, you know, calling it the vampire song. And he, he gets mad now. He's, he's like, no, that's not what it's about. So um, we'll just agree to disagree on that one. Um, but, you know, I, I get uh, song ideas from very weird places sometimes. And that's, that's one of them. We started counting out galaxies. different arrangements that we did of David's classics, um, like Eight Miles High and, um, what was the other one you mentioned? Uh, sorry, Homer Through the Haze, um, and Deja Vu. I, you know, that kind of came about because, um, David said to Jeff and I, uh, you know, I don't want to do these songs like I've been doing them. There's, there's somewhere else to go with these. And he goes, 
he always liked the term, uh, he would tell Jeff and I, you guys are jazz level players. <laughs> like, go, go make something cool out of this, you know? And, uh, and that was, that's really fun for me to, to just have a, a, you know, license to, uh, just take it, take a song, a really good song in a different direction. Um, I look at it, I look at it kind of as a challenge and also just uh, a blank slate that you can, you know, you've got this great melody, you've got these great lyrics, um, great chords already. And um, so Eight Miles High, you know, the, uh, the, the riff that starts with McGuinn just on the 12 string, that became the root of the whole thing. And uh, Stevie came up with that drum beat, I think, that just kind of really modernized the thing against that figure. And Kroz was so happy because he got to play that same, same figure and it worked over this new vibe. Same with Deja Vu. We just kind of opened it up um, to this big solo section because they're the you know the, the chord changes to Deja Vu are kind of a round. They they start in E minor, they end in E minor, and they just descend through these great kind of like minor eleventh chords that are really juicy for a musician to solo over. So you know once we once we locked into the groove. And Stevie just would kind of float with uh, with whoever was soloing. We just, I mean, there were times where I think I almost got the old um, Charlie Parker symbol thrown at my head because I had gone around one too many times on those changes just because it's so damn fun, you know. Um, and so, yeah, we, and, and you know, I was nervous um, about doing that when we played them live just because I know there's a lot of, Crosby fans that, you know, hold those songs to be, you know, um, sacred, the arrangements and everything. And I, I you know, I, I, I voiced that concern, you know, with David, I said, yeah, I don't know, man, you know, are people going to really like not dig that, you know, this, this, you know, you're 
son that you found that's, you know, screwing, <laughs> screwing up your songs like this. And I think maybe there was some of that. Um, but David just said, no, we're doing it this way. I love it. I don't want to do it the other way. And so that just, you know, that gave us uh, freedom, I think, to just know that, oh, you know, those those records are sacred, but a song is a living, breathing thing. And there's no reason not to explore uh, the depths of where something can go. And that, that was kind of David's uh, philosophy on that. And, and we all took to it. We all adopted that philosophy.
Did you put uh, I Won't Stay For Long last on the album as a kind of a sign I put it last on the album because it's the one that moved me the most. It's... Get James to explain it to you. The classical reference is is very definite. So I Won't Stay For Long, uh, the last track on the record um, I wrote, and there's a great movie called Black Orpheus. It's kind of a a Brazilian telling of the Greek story of Orpheus, um, which if you don't know, he's his wife Eurydice, I believe, um, passes away. Orpheus is so uh, heartbroken over her passing and he just wants to visit the afterlife to be with her just for a, a short time, just so he can see her one last time. And, you know, that uh, my wife Stacia and I watched that movie Black Orpheus, which is just an amazing telling of that that Greek story set in Rio de Janeiro. It's in the 60s. There's all kind of Jobim music. It's it's all shot in the favelas, you know. So uh, it's that it just left a huge impact on me. And especially the, that story, I thought there was just something really incredibly uh, universal and strong to mine it there in that story of Orpheus and Eurydice. So I, I set that in, you know, modern times and, and someone who's um, older and maybe at, towards the end of their life, but they're, they're pining for their partner that they, that has passed away and they just want to visit that partner for a short time um, and that's, that's where the title comes from. I won't stay for long. I just, I want to come visit you. I won't stay. I just, I promise I'll come back, you know, I'll come back to my world. Just let me visit you. And that, um, it was a very kind of emotional song for me to write. I, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't know where it was going to go. And, and these lyrics just kind of started pouring out of me and the melody came together very quickly. Boy, David responded right away to it. He said, this is some of the best lyrics you've ever written, one of the best songs you've ever written. And he just poured himself into that vocal. I mean, his performance on there is one of my favorites in all our years working together. He, um, he just really put it out there, you know. And, uh, yeah, we're both really proud of that one. And I won't stay for long I've got a place on my own There's a sliver of air between the water and the ice It's where I live, where I breathe An abandoned song It echoes through this way But it rings my bell. God alone knows why anything does have the power that it has, Mm -hmm. but it has some power. Everybody that's listened to it, it's some stuff is magic, man. You know, we're dealing with such esoteric shit. Okay, we take these words and we put stories in the words that that are full, loaded up with concepts, 
with story, with emotional readings of, and tilts and, and loadings. And then we put it in the context of the music. And the music delivers it differently. It's like not coming in the mail anymore. It's FedEx, but it mm-hmm. came on a rocket and it went directly in your ear and landed somewhere way inside. You censor data as it comes into your head because there's more data coming in, impinging on all your senses all the time than you can handle. Your sensorium mm-hmm. censors it down, okay? The words that you hear me speaking go through a lot of processing. The words that come in with the music don't. Mm. They sneak right past your sensors, whack you in, in the thalamus. And I don't think they really have technical names for what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but it's true. I've been working it for a long time, and I, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and meh, that one does. Yeah, that's great. We're sitting here in the old Wally Hyders, now Hyde Street Studios, where you made If I Can Only Remember My Name. So looking back over the arc of your career, what are you most happy about that you contributed to music? <sighs> the things that I have espoused as being cause, as being where the value is, center. The magic in the music and the magic in the words. And they're two different magics. When they marry, they're immensely powerful. And my celebration of that, my recognizing it and then saying, this is where the value is. This, not the money. It's not in the smoke machine. It's not in the glitter. It's not in the high heels. It's not in the dance moves. It's not in any of that shit. It's not in the awards. It's not in the Grammy. It's not in the fancy hotel. It's not on TV. This is where the value is. This is where the real magic, stuff that's inexplicably fantastic, is over here. If I've done anything right, man, it's looking at that and celebrating it and worshiping it and consistently, adamantly saying out loud, that's where the value is. Thank you, David and James, and thank you, everybody out there, for listening. Please join us again in October for two more new episodes of Freak Flag Flying, focusing on one of my favorite albums of all time, If I Could Only Remember My Name, recorded right here at what was then called Wally Hyder Studio in San Francisco with the best musical minds of Crosby's generation, including Jerry Garcia, Phil Lesh, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, Paul Kantner, and Grace Slick. This Freak Flag Flying podcast was brought to you by Osiris Media, 
Find them and many other music podcasts at OsirisPod.com. Thank you, David Crosby. Thank you, James Raymond. And special thanks for allowing us to feature your wonderful music, CPR, Sarah Jaros, and I'm With Her. And of course, David Crosby. Thank you also to Joel Jack Studios and to Hyde Street Studios, Jack Kurtzman and William Chasen for being totally cool dudes. Interviews by me, Steve Silberman. Produced by Zach Brogan and Tom Marshall. Art by Mark Dowd. Remember, friends, music is love. See you down the road on Freak Flag Flying. Osiris. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.